Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. I could easily kill you now, but I'm determined to have your brain. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. downtown Toronto headquarters here's episode 424 of the really awful movies podcast the furies from 2019 uh, another australian production that uh, tries to put a new twist on a uh, conceit that we've seen before in that it's a, f- a potential survival to the death a la squid game or the condemned or i mean well you know the running man or or tons of uh, these types of films and sort of a combination of like a battle royale hunger games conceit with something more in the lines of like a hicksploitation wrong turn and texas chainsaw massacre Uh, which is kind of funny as descriptors because the promotional material says it was like if i'm not mistaken a cross between the Hunger Games and Halloween, which really makes very, very little sense. Uh, Well, speaking of Halloween, I was going to say that when you have something simple, I don't think it requires anything more than that if you bring the frights to bear. Uh, When you think about something like uh, Chuck Berry's uh, Johnny Be Good, it's a standard three-chord blues. The only difference is it's maybe in the key of B-flat, and it's got a, a iconic riff at the beginning, but songwriting-wise, the structure follows thousands and thousands of other blues-based songs with the three chords. And there's nothing inherently special musically about Johnny Be Good, but it's just sensational and a real standout, and obviously one of the greatest songs of all time. Now, when you have something simple, you don't, and and you bring the frights, you don't need to complicate it by adding various layers of, of, uh, you know, narrative structure and twists and turns. Uh, Some people may expect that, but I think if you have solid gore, which this film does, which, you know, Tom Savini-esque gruesome, gruesome axe attack effects, I think that that can carry the day in addition to a very compelling characters, which this one does have in the form of Kayla, played by Early Dots, who's also in an Aussie film that I quite liked called Killing Ground from 2016. Now, the premise of this one follows the same idea that we've seen a number of times in these uh, survival to the death 
conceit type films where the principals are trapped in boxes and then they have to escape and then they find themselves in this landscape that they're unfamiliar with and soon enough they realize that they're being hunted. It's something that I covered in a German horror film a few weeks ago called Prey, but that was the straightforward idea of a bunch of lost in the wilderness guys a la rituals or deliverance bunch of uh you know of macho guys a varying extent of macho-ness being uh, hunted by these mysterious figures in uh, in the case of the furies it's even more mysterious because these characters have uh, animal heads and this is where i, I think i liken the uh, exploitation elements of a tcm to this one more than I would a, a, a John Carpenter's Halloween, for instance. So you have different characters with uh, skin masks on, very, very leather face, and you have this uh, dilapidated town in the middle of nowhere, which is again very Texas Chainsaw, although admittedly it's, it's uh, the wonderfully named Byrong, I believe it is, uh, in New South Wales which is an old abandoned mining town replete with these tin huts and uh, providing a, a wonderful scene setting of these tree stands that are very monoculture. They could, uh, you know, apologies if I'm getting this wrong, they could be eucalyptus trees. I'm not sure, but they're these smooth barked trees that provide a 360 uh, very harrowing and very, very creepy atmospheres. I've never seen this kind of uh, foliage before in a horror film. And it, it's very, very unique as well in that this one is filmed entirely in daylight, which is uh, a ballsy, if, if nothing else, stylistic choice for director Tony D'Aquino because you can count really on one hand the number of really, really solid daytime horrors there are. And, well, speaking of... Uh, Speaking of Texas Chainsaw Massacre as a prime exemplar by Toby Hooper, but you could also throw in the likes of a Tenebrae, the Italian horror with a John Saxon and a killer on the loose, and and that that thing is is filmed in pristine Roman daylight, and uh, but but it's a rarity, and I think it works in the favor of this film here. Now we're introduced to Kayla after she has a fight with uh, with her uh, a friend with whom she's very very close, and I believe her name is Maddie, if I'm not mistaken, and. Uh, they have this argument because one is going off to uni and the other one doesn't know what she's doing with her life and they have this uh, back and forth under a bridge near some, uh, this is kind of a seedy urban uh, milieu. I think it's probably near Canberra where this might have been lensed. And so they, they had get into this heated battle where Maddie says, you know, you have nothing really to worry about because you're off to uni. I don't know what I'm doing with myself. And plus you're playing the victim card a little too much, which is kind of a funny flip of the script because Maddie is a, a woman of color and, uh, and Kayla is not. However, Kayla has to deal with the fact that she's an epileptic, which adds an interesting dynamic to the narrative structure of the Furies, where during key moments uh, where she has to, uh, you know, uh, fight to the death in this uh, Hobbesian nightmare in, in the middle of New South Wales or wherever the hell this is, she frequently uh, falls victim, I guess, uh, to this uh, malady and to this ailment. And that this is something Tony D'Aquino plays around with quite a bit. You could say a little too much for perhaps my liking, but I think it's an interesting idea uh, to to give this character a bit of this background and, and, and a struggle to overcome because otherwise she's a pretty tough mama who looks like she's probably about 5'11", 6 foot. Uh, she cuts a really a strong figure and she's certainly no shrinking violet that uh, that would be just a pushover victim as uh, would be maybe the standard uh, conceit for this one. 
Now, uh, what we find out, and this is going to be a little caveat here because we're going to enter some spoiler territory because, frankly, I don't know how any other way uh, this film could be really described, but there, um, uh, Kayla's character is, is starting to have these sort of flashbacky type scenes, and it turns out that the uh, unwilling principals and participants in this deadly game have been uh, uh, unwilling uh, patients in this gruesome surgical experiments, and they've been fitted with these kind of, uh, with these uh, eye-mounted, uh, ocular um, uh, nerve-mounted cameras. So uh, when when she wakes up inside the box and, and emerges herself, uh, you know, kicks herself out of her confines, she sees that there's a little bit of blood around her eye, and she's probably feeling a little worse for wear. So it turns out there's some sort of, uh, you know, uh, Machiavellian uh, figure who's, uh, you know, working from behind the curtain uh, as this dubious character who's monitoring all their eye movements through eye tracking. And it's kind of neat, uh, kind of a neat idea, if a little bit uh, underdeveloped and thoroughly, I think, unnecessary in many respects. But it's a neat idea. As an aside, it, it reminded me of when I, I was uh, making a little bit of extra money in university when I uh, had a, a, a head-mounted eye tracker and I was uh, tasked with reading different passages as part of this, uh, I believe is a linguistics experiment. And they paid me like 30 bucks an hour and I had this camera mounted to my head and I had to do various things with, I forget the... Uh, the, the breakdown of how the uh, research study was conducted, but yeah, it was this one where it was actually a surgical procedure to install, which makes you wonder why they didn't, because it would have been so much simpler, just stick a GoPro on their head and made it so tight that they couldn't ta possibly take it off. And I think that would have served uh, the same function or, or some other live kind of a uh, you know, body cam police type camera that they, I'm sure there's something that exists that's that's like that, where they could have monitored things without something so intrusive and uh, potentially fatal, in, in fact. So it's one of these things where you have this, you know, demonic figure whose, whose uh, motivations aren't uh, wholly explained, who's monitoring via like CCTV, this entire panel and, uh, you know, of, of monitors and trying to fig figure out what the uh, victims, who are all women, hence the, the name of this uh, film, The Furies, where they're all looking and how they're evading their uh, their predators and their captors in a way. And it is a game that's in addition to a survival one being played by the unwilling contestants, it's a game that's being played by the predators as well, which is not really something that's explained, but it shows that the predators have to battle one another as well. So uh, armed with sickles and axes and various implements that are found in this abandoned mining town, they, um, you find out that there's a connection between these beasts and the beauties that are trapped in the containers. And uh, that connection is that it's a one-to-one -one relationship, one beast, one victim. One beast, one beauty, and uh, messing around with that kind of ratio is something that you know I won't I won't uh, spoil any any further here. But it's another thing that sort of adds to the complexity that doesn't really uh, further the interests of this film overly overly much to the extent that I think the. Uh, heavy-duty practical effects actually really do. This is a film, and I think Erdy Dodds is in the other one too, Killing Ground. Killing Ground is a film that I really liked as well, which has a, a hunter and prey dynamic too, which plays itself out in the midst of a more straightforward camping trip a la Deliverance. Uh, she's quite good, and I, I prefer that one, and I think it's one of the better horror films that has come out in the last 10 years. I, I can't say enough or sing the praises enough of uh, Killing Ground from 2016. 
2016 is a harrowing, harrowing film that really makes splendid use of its sparse, spare campground settings. Uh, I wouldn't be so bold as to put uh, the Furies in this in this camp. It, it, it tries to be a little too much uh, for what it really is, and I think it could have just dialed things back and just been a straight-ahead exploitation stock and slash, and would have been fine with that, especially because it's rare to see a film with this uh, with practical effects that are this intensely gory and with, with this halving, if you want to call it that, H-A-L-V-I-N-G. I'm reminded of Terrifier and, and, and the last time I've seen something this graphic and something that was, well, a hack right down the middle, uh, to put it uh, in, in very blunt terms. There's some expert practical effects in addition to when Kayla actually finds out about this uh, hidden camera scheme by actually digging out one of the eyeballs of one of her dead contestants using a spoon. It's very evocative, it's very bloody, it's very gory, it's very disgusting, and I think serves this uh, film in, in, uh, in, in to a very uh, solid extent. Now, as I said, you really don't need much, at least in my estimation and in my eyes, uh, to, to have, you know, if you wanted just to simply combine a fight-to-the-death style movie with a exploitation, I think you're in fine territory here. And uh, Dakino makes use of this perimeter. So it's always good when you're going to circumscribe uh, a kind of a locale and you have to make the escape something that could be potentially extraordinarily, extraordinarily difficult. And I think it's something the Furies does very well because not only do the principals have to battle the, the elements, because they don't exactly know where to go, they have to battle the hunters too. And there is, almost like livestock, there's a fence beyond which they can't go that's kind of an electrified fence and it keys vers uh, with this kind of uh, over-the-top uh, Pavlovian kind of siren which is an obvious uh, callback I think to uh, Greek mythology that the title uh, derives from as well. The Furies being, uh, I believe, uh, some e evil goddesses and something actually, the baseball Furies is actually referenced by the Warriors which is weird because it has nothing to do with uh, women and that gang is holy men. So I don't know where it got that from, but I'm sure Furies has uh, some other um, uh, derivation or some sort of uh, point of demarcation that maybe I'm not familiar enough with, uh, you know, limited knowledge of uh, Greek antiquity and myths. So who knows? It's not the most dynamic of of titles, but it speaks to the fact that this one uh, uh, is serviceable, serviceable and above and beyond in terms of the Bechdel test because all of the victims are women and they're all very strong characters to varying degrees and they play with the character dynamics through the idea of a fight to the death in whom one uh, you know person will, will be the victor, right? Which is something the Squid Game plays with as contestants are increasingly um, knocked off and uh, loyalties are tested and it's quite a, a neat idea when you have survival games and uh, it, you know it doesn't even matter if it's something as goofy as Jim Cotta but you know there's only there only can be one victor and to the victor goes the spoils or in this case the the opportunity to uh, to escape and it's something that this in its coda touches on this film uh, when where there's some evil uh, uh, VR augmented reality game developer who is apparently unawares that this uh, game that's being orchestrated is being in, is in uh, is heavily uh, done by one of his business partners and it's something that I think 
you know, the filmmaker was trying to tie up loose ends, which again, needn't have been tied up had there been something a little more straightforward where you could have something like a straightforward payment scheme where uh, men are maybe conscripted themselves to take part in a deadly game so that only one of them is left standing in order to kill all their victims. That would have been the more standard trope, but really they, this didn't really need all these extra layers and all these different um, ideas to that it really didn't uh, help things uh, too much. Now, uh, the Kayla character is obviously very strong, and Dodd is a, is a very compelling uh, figure, and uh, figurehead, and, and a linchpin around, you know, how much of, much of this is, is based, and I think she's really, really good in, in this role, although I think, again, toward the end, uh, things have a, a bit of a sag, and uh, while I could see that her, her visions and her ep epileptic uh, episodes uh, contributes somewhat. All, all in all, it's a less than satisfying denouement, and um, not entirely sure whether this could have been uh, elevated into anything different if they'd uh, stuck to my suggestions. Still, nonetheless, you can't. You got to give uh, credit where credit is due. The atmosphere is certainly one of a kind. I can't say I've ever seen a, an environment like this in this weird abandoned mining town and this strange very, very surreal uh, tree stand, very, very, very odd. And uh, I think also as, as something I, I could have uh, said I learned here is that I think there could have been more references to having needed something to drink or eat because they were running around like crazy and uh, involved in all sorts of physical activities, but not once were they supplied with any uh, food stuff. And I thought that would have been something that might have needed addressing versus some uh, fancy mechanism of, uh, of uh, some sort of implanted camera device didn't seem to be uh, all that warranted. Uh, that said, this is better than average, both as a survivalist uh, feature, but also as a uh, fight to the death and a Hicksploitation and an Aussie horror. It, it, it's uh, well executed. It's fairly well done. I think uh, has has its flaws as, as do uh, many films. So, I mean, this is not going to reach the heights of A Killing Ground or Picnic at Hanging Rock or any of the uh, classic Aussie horrors or the likes of Rogue which I recently posted about on Instagram, which is, I think, in my top three to four uh, killer crocodile uh, alligator movies. It's uh, obviously behind uh, Alligator, which uh, reigns supreme, but a decent third place showing behind, I think, uh, Alexander Aja's exemplary recent film, uh, Crawl, which I think as an aside, but Rogue can stand, uh, you know, uh, stand on its own two feet or on its own... Uh, four webbed feet as it were and is one of the better killer croc movies there's lots of really good horrors that come out of australia really and it's always good to see something lensed in that part of the world and uh, speaks to again the global reach of horror and uh, how how many different subgenres there are and how they're executed in different areas uh, according to uh, you know uh, different uh, sensibilities. So anyway, I'm going to give this one probably a three and a quarter out of five, solid if unspectacular, decent enough, worthy of summer viewing for sure. And uh, we'll talk to you soon and take care.